December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, reaping fans, money, assets. And yeah, I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money. The kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends. The kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck. Like I was stuck in the sands of time. I did all the right things. All the things that promised me freedom. And it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job. And... I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the unruly entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really truly finally fucking sets you free i'm your host andrea crowder and welcome to the unruly entrepreneur podcast let's go to the show You guys are in for one of the biggest treats of your life. I'm about to introduce you to my mentor, my mentor and the founder of Rapid Resolution Therapy, Dr. John Connolly. Um, if you guys haven't heard me speak about Rapid Resolution Therapy, this is the modality that um, I stumbled across during um, trying to find solutions to help my husband and myself and my kids heal from um, my husband's PTSD from his... Uh, serving in the army, as well as our experience of, you know, being caretakers of someone with PTSD. And so it started as a personal healing journey and fundamentally changed everything about my life and my business. There's not an area of my life that hasn't been wildly impacted by this modality. And I have been, you know, let's say a taste tester of healing modalities for, you know, probably 13 or so years now. And I've never stumbled across anything that was as fun, painless, efficient, and as profoundly life-changing as this modality. My income has increased by over 350% this year um, because of my own internal healing, but also because of how I'm using this in my business, not just as a coach, but even as a marketer. And the things that we can gain from how John thinks he's like one of the most, um, he thinks of everything almost like backwards. If If the world thinks this way and it's just how we're supposed to think and that's just the way things are supposed to be, John says wrong. And, um, you know, he, he thinks about things so differently. And that was one of the biggest, um, pieces of appeal to me is everything that I thought I knew got flipped on its head as I started understanding this modality. And I can't wait for you guys to hear, you know, not just who he is as a person, but the way that he explains things help the way that we think feel, 
and behave, especially the patterns um, and the feelings that might feel useless or undesirable to us, he helps explain why that's happening and how to make it stop in the way that can actually be painless and fun versus um, some of the traditional healing modalities that we've seen. And I think we all know at this point as entrepreneurs, and if you don't, here we go, (laughs) that the number one asset that we have in our business is the way that we think about things, our perspective and our energy. It's us. We are the number one asset, um, asset because we are the cause for every effect. Right. And so John has given me a greater sense of power, intuition, creativity, um, perspective that I've been able to use in my business, in my life as a mother. We'll talk about um, even parenting in this episode and relationships in this episode. Um, So without further ado, introducing Dr. John Connolly, who's now become my best friend. P.S. By the way, you guys, I manifested this the first time I ever got on a training with him. I was so mind blown that my eyes like they were so wide. I just couldn't close them. I'm like, what, what did I stumble across? And I remember declaring to myself in that moment in the first two hours that I knew him, my friend Mindy will um, vouch for this. I walked into the room when we were on our break over the course of this like four and a half hour training that I was doing that day. And I looked at her and I was like, I'm going to make that man my best friend. I'm going to put him in my pocket and I'm going to take him everywhere I go with me. And I was so committed to that. Turns out he only lives an hour north of me and we just had dinner together last night. We are now probably each other's like favorite humans on the planet and he truly is my best friend. I put him in my pocket, take him everywhere with me and um, I can't wait for you guys to meet him, fall in love with the way that his mind works and also fall in love with the work that he's created to make your life not just normal, not just okay, but fundamentally exceptional, exceptional. Okay. Here we go. Introducing Dr. John Connolly. My favorite human on the whole planet. Welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to introduce you to my community, although I think probably at least half of my community is already somewhat familiar with you, but welcome to the show. Andrea, what a pleasure. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. So I've been having a conversation around becoming the untriggerable woman. And this came through after doing a lot of work with you, doing the rapid resolution therapy trainings, your hypnotherapy training, but then also the one-on-one work that we do um, where you've been supporting me through, you know, my divorce, through, um, you know, learning, not learning, but, um, I would say settling into this new life as a single mom, as well as an entrepreneur. We do a lot of um, private sessions around um, supporting me and making sure that um, my mind is the not just well-functioning, but exceptionally functioning to do an excellent job for my community, my clients, and for um, future people who do business with me. So I would love to start with number one, you introducing you and how, how you became, you know, the man, Dr. Connolly, the creator, the founder of rapid resolution therapy. Where did that journey start for you? Oh, goodness. Well, way back in the dark ages, and I had graduated from college, and I had a degree in history, 
and bachelor's, you know. And so I looked in the newspaper uh, and the help wanted it because that's how you did it. Couldn't find any jobs for bachelor's level historians and everything else seemed to have um, some kind of uh, skill that I didn't have. And I um, finally found out that there were jobs you could get by taking a test, and I had been able to take tests in college. So I took a test, and the next thing, I had become a um, caseworker on a child protective service team, which meant that when there was an allegation of abuse or neglect of a child, uh, I was the person who <clears throat> knocked on the door and, and um, met with those people to try to either improve the environment, well, to find out if there was any sub substance to it, and then to improve the environment, and then if that wasn't possible to move the child to a safer environment. So that was that was my um, my beginning, and from that um, in to eventually um, going to graduate school and learning things about counseling and therapy, and um, wanting to 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 do stuff to make it so that people's lives would. Well, basically, to reduce suffering and increase joyfulness mm -hmm. um, was what what the uh, what what the aim was from the beginning, and and still is. So there's a huge gap in between in between that and then where I met you, which is well, I met you via a mutual acquaintance now, um, Wayne Brown, but. I went into a session with Wayne working on healing some of the stuff that I had experienced, you know, leaving my, um, or not leaving, but like living with my husband who was dealing with extreme PTSD responses. And I was filled with this rage that I couldn't explain. And in about 60 minutes, I couldn't access the rage. If you said, here's a huge million dollar check and it's yours to walk away with today if you can just feel that one more time. And I couldn't. So how did you go from there to um, teaching, empowering um, therapists as well as yourself to be able to do what a lot of people are now saying is like magic or sorcery? <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I'm so glad that that was your entry. Um, Wayne Brown is certainly... Um, an incredibly skilled guy. It's been such a pleasure to um, have him in the community and as um, my um, top uh, uh, student, uh, and, and, and it's such a skilled uh, facilitator. I I started learning what what they were teaching me um, in psychotherapy school, and I found it hard to understand and I, I tried harder and I still found it hard to understand and I, I immersed myself in it and I did 
everything I could to understand it, and then I did everything that I could to to um, put it into practice. And it took. I, I think I was a pretty slow learner on this thing. It took me quite a while to understand that the reason I had making sense of what they were teaching me is because it didn't make a frickin' bit of sense. Mm-hmm. And and what a relief when I just realized, well, it, it doesn't. It didn't make sense from my world. You're not the problem. Um, <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. And so I... Um, Eventually, after really going through, you know, this graduate program and then even additional postdoc training and how to make changes happen in ways that I couldn't figure out how they made sense, um, I eventually found that none of what I was learning applied and I started just making things up. And the (laughs) things that I made up are... Uh, the things that then you experienced when you went to visit with um, with with Wayne, uh, a whole other way of understanding and um, um, making change happen with um, with people's minds. The um, so the way it's traditionally done is people who have. Um, something disturbing them, if it disturbs them enough, may go for uh, treatment to a counselor or therapist or perhaps somebody in the substance abuse uh, addiction industry to try to get um, uh, uh, unstuck and move forward. And it um, often moves in what you would think is the exact opposite direction. In fact, they tell people, hey, now that you're uh, going into therapy, you want to explain to people that you know that you might be um, a whole lot worse to deal with for quite a while because Mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult for you and you'll be feeling a lot worse on the way to finally getting things resolved. Right. And, and and gosh, how many people do you know who have been seeing somebody who's a counselor or a therapist for a whole long time and they're still going? Um, and, and maybe they've even become really educated in being able to come up with pretty sophisticated theories as to why they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And might share those with you and tell you how the unhappiness today relates to an earlier event, which relates to something else, which relates to something else. Um, And they're doing a whole lot of thinking about thinking, (laughs) analyzing uh, various thinking and analyzing analysis. And it just seems like it takes a long time. It's difficult. It's painful. And it doesn't do much good. So I came up with something that is, um, it's it's hardly even similar to it. Uh, This rapid resolution therapy process is um, 
uh, so different from what we think of as traditional therapy that somebody looking through that way of understanding things and somebody looking through the uh, other way of understanding things would would have a would have a difficult time having a conversation about the same person. Yeah. I I feel like through this through personal experience first with Wayne and then through my training everything that I thought I knew about healing or even just improving my life got completely flipped on its head after going through rapid resolution therapy training and I used to think you know um you have to feel it to heal it and the the way to get through something was to just feel it more and to cry harder and to scream. And, um, some friends asked me if I wanted to go to a a rage room next week. And I was like, no, (laughs) that used to sound really appealing because it felt like a way to like express some of like the big emotions that I was feeling in my body, but it doesn't feel even useful anymore. And all the things that I thought. I used to do that to people. <laughs> I'm sure I you mean, did. I really did that to people. I worked, yeah. you talk about rage rooms. I, You know, gym mats, they're like, yep. think, um, think of a room where the gym mats are not just on the entire floor instead of a carpet, but on all the walls. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's soundproofed. Mm-hmm. So that people can scream, bang, slam into things, curse, holler, um, um, vomit. Yeah. In order to um, do what they thought was necessary in order to get better, which is to get the feeling out in a place that's then called the safe place. Right. And I realized what I was subjecting people to, well, certainly I shouldn't be calling it a safe place. It mm-hmm. was a miserable place, and I hated it. And yet, if it was going to help, I was going to do it. Right. And I stopped when I realized it didn't work. And then came up with a, another way of understanding things. So um, as briefly as I can, I think, and when I say I think, I mean this is a view Um, rather than me telling you this is true. But I view things this way and suggest people view things this way because it's useful. And I view it this way. If somebody's experiencing um, an emotion, a sensation, a thought, it's coming from their own mind as their mind is reading information. By mind, I mean unconscious reading information that's incoming and stored and uh, created by the human mind. And the emotions, thoughts and sensations are caused by the mind to cause actions which um, would then support what I think of as the prime directive, which is to survive and then perhaps thrive. Um, the, The problem is that the um, emotions that our mind causes in order to cause us to do things are no longer useful. Mm-hmm. Mind causes fear, and um, fear causes 
the body to become, um, well, the legs to become really strong so we could sprint fast. Um, it involves uh, the rest of the whole body, uh, circulation, respiration, digestion, everything else, but it revs up when somebody's afraid so that we can sprint fast. So the ability to sprint fast, run fast, goes up. What goes down is the ability to be logical, rational, intuitive, creative, see solutions, uh, experience humor. Mm -hmm. um, what situation do we get into where that would be a, a useful thing? You know, other than trying to outrun a wolf, None. that's not useful. Um, another emotion that our mind produces in abundance is anger. Anger physiologically causes the person to be able to do only one thing better, bite harder. That's why you see somebody's face get red and their jaw protrude and their eyes narrow. What situations are we ever in where it's useful to start biting people's flesh and tearing them with our teeth? It's but what goes down? Same stuff. Mm -hmm. Same stuff. Everything that you would find useful goes away, and things that are completely useless turn on with the emotions of fear and anger, which are the prominent um, emotions people experience if anything is threatening or disturbing. It's likely that there's um, uh, fear anger. And sometimes we don't know which of those we're feeling because, my goodness, neither one of them is useful. Right. Um, and the way that um, um, many people have been thinking about this is, 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 is the problem is their stuff was generated and is stuck inside people, so they have to empty it out. They have to um, um, get rid of their anger, get rid of their um, uh, fear, but the the way that um, that often is encouraged to happen is by um, ex by fully feeling it, so it can be expressed in that way, be released. The problem is that doesn't work, right? Um, and so, understanding that it's the mind that's causing that because it's looking for survival, but is actually um, uh, set to adapt to a completely different situation than the way we're in, I figured we have to be able to make a difference where that feeling is coming from, mm -hmm. which isn't something that's cognitive. So there's a whole lot of therapy now that's called cognitive, where people are trying to make differences in emotion by what they can think logically. But you can't cause emotions by thinking. So if I say to you, cause uh, despair, just do five minutes of it. Now do five minutes of shock, do one minute of rage, do three minutes of terror. We can't consciously do those things. And if we can't consciously cause them, how the heck are we supposed to consciously uncause them? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that works. And that's one kind of therapy that's really prominent. And the other kind is, well, let's find the origin of it and go back and experience it and express it. And that way, get loose of it. 
but that that's what uh, would mean that somebody is being encouraged to re-experience the worst moments of their life uh, because they didn't experience and express and release enough pain during it, which mm -hmm. is why you've heard, well, the, the psychotherapy is, um, is painful. That's certainly painful to, 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 to revisit every painful moment and feel even more pain than you felt during it. So what I've learned instead is we can actually get right into the mechanism and shift where it's coming from and that that process can be quick, painless, and fun. Quick, painless, and fun yeah. instead of taking a huge amount of time being very painful and not really getting the re results. The problem we have is that people are so used to it being something that it takes a very long time that this seems um, uh, it, it seems unrealistic. It seems like I'm you know selling s snake oil from uh, <laughs> from the back yep. of a wagon, saying, "Hey, just drink this thing, and anything you've ever imagined and more will go away right away." You know, like those old um, what is it medicine show people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's one of the problems we have getting um, this across. My initial interest was how can we serve those people that seem to be suffering the most? And since I was spending a lot of time with people who had been traumatized as children or adults in just uh, in incredibly awful ways, uh, we were thinking, well, what can we do for people who are thought to have battlefield PTSD? or people who have been raped, abused, um, um, gone through all, all of this stuff that, that's thought to take a very, very long time to enable people to go through processes which help them to better cope with it. I meet so many people who say, I have PTSD, and, 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 and it's not like I've been having a sore throat. Um, and it really sucks, but I'm thinking I'll be getting over it in a week or two. It's right. it's 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 provided as a as a diagnosis that becomes an identity, and that mm -hmm. individual thinks that's what that's it. That's who I am. Hey, tell me about yourself. Oh, okay. I'm five foot seven. I'm black. I um, uh, uh, have PTSD, and I'm. Uh, obsessive compulsive. Um, mm -hmm. These things have become the way people think they are. And if it, you and 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 if it's who you are, then I guess all you can do is learn to be able to cope with it. But I don't believe the way you've been feeling, the way you've been thinking, or even the things you've been doing is you. If you say, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable on escalators." That's just me. That's not you. Mm -hmm. If you say, I, "I'm awkward in social situations," that's how I am. No, that's how you've been feeling in social situations, because that's the way your unconscious is working, and and then people understand it all by trying to figure it out with concepts like credit, blame, pride, and shame. Oh, I'm scared because I'm cowardly, but my friend isn't so scared because he's courageous. 
Um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, it's it, it's all the way back to good girl, or oh, I'm disappointed in you, bad girl, lazy girl, uh, industrious girl, uh, mm-hmm. all of this, and people are trying to figure out how to get their own minds and bodies working better by applying concepts that we use to control three-year-olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that freaking hard. What are some of the disturbing um, effects that you see people come in with the most that tend to go away after a lot, uh, not a lot, but like after they start to clear some of these either beliefs or traumas. Um, I know for me, like I was dealing with, um, a lot of brain fog and I thought like, I have to ditch gluten. And like, I thought it was a diet thing and I'm sure like diets can absolutely play a role, but I've just noticed in the past few months that the brain fog is almost completely gone since I've been consistently doing RRT, my grinding, you know, that I was like dealing with a lot of grinding. I haven't grind my teeth since, I don't know, a month or so ago when we, when you did the. So, so many people do that. Yeah. If anger is an emotional physiological response to perceived threat that makes it so that the jaw is activated. Mm -hmm. And if that continues to be going through the mind, even while asleep, Mm -hmm. that's why if you ask any dentist, hey, you know, tell me about, it's called bruxism, uh, teeth grinding, how significant is that? I mean, people, you, you know, I, I used to play football, believe it or not, and one of the things they would do is, is they put this big piece of rubber thing in my mouth. I was like, oh, bite this thing like this. <laughs> um um, so that, you know, I guess it protects your teeth when some helmet will smash in your face. Um, but there are people who put that freaking thing in every night. Yeah. They go to sleep so they don't mash their teeth into sawdust mm-hmm. um, because of anger. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you don't have to wear a piece of rubber in your head in order to not turn your uh, teeth into stubs. But what has to happen is the um, anger that's being generated by your unconscious, generally in order to get you to do something that would be completely useless about something that doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. In other words, the reason people are experiencing emotional turmoil is because their minds are causing emotions that are causing um, uh, uh, it to be almost agonizing, causing emotions in order to cause actions that are designed to deal with situations that aren't in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you feel resentful, you don't feel resentful because somebody's pushing you. You feel resentful because somebody pushed you. Mm-hmm. It's like anger in retro. So you take this thing that enables people to be able to bite people better while they also become stupider. So that's useless. <laughs> and then you, 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 that would be useless if the thing was happening right in front of you. But with human mind, it then begins to 
be there about things that that aren't taking place currently, and 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 sometimes things that took place when you were two. But what if I say to you, seven. what if I say to you, like, I'm not feeling angry, but I woke up and I was grinding this morning. I'm having this conversation with you. I don't feel angry right now, but I was grinding. What if it's like I not an active generally, sensation? Well, one, I mean, it probably there was some anger and mm-hmm. probably that's causing it, but it's also then becomes something. Mind takes things that happen and causes them to go on automatic, so they keep happening. We don't have to think about them or do them on purpose. Right. So bruxism, um, I think, is built in anger, but becomes can become uh, uh, habitual too. Mm-hmm. And where is a habit being controlled? Unconscious. Where are emotions coming from? Unconscious. Um, where are the thoughts that we have coming from? Unconscious. Well. Mm-hmm. Somebody says, but I am conscious of my emotions. I'm conscious of my thoughts. I'm sure it's all conscious of what I'm doing. What do you mean it's unconscious, unconscious, unconscious? You're conscious of where you feel it. You're not conscious of where it's coming from. Right. And people are trying to change it from where they're feeling it. Think about a guy holding a Bluetooth speaker, and he's got it in his hands, and he's shaking it hard, and he's screaming at it. And you say, dude, what's the story with you and this speaker? And he says, oh, man, I hate this freaking song. I wanted to play a different song. And, and you say, well, you know, maybe stop hitting the speaker. Let me show you this thing over here where the sound is actually coming from. Mm-hmm. You don't hear it from there. Just like you don't feel the emotion where you're unconscious. How could you feel it? You're not even conscious. So it's coming from there. And that's where with rapid resolution therapy, we get to in order to shift it rather than attempting to get rid of it by experiencing it. Mm -hmm. You probably woke up this morning trying to figure out how people invented a barber pole. (laughs) You've seen those, right? They're red and they're white and they spin. Yes, I've Um, seen one. (laughs) That wasn't my first thought, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, come on. I know. Um, (laughs) So uh, I want to put your mind to rest around your barber um, pole concerns. Um, The reason they had a barber pole is because if you were sick, you feel nauseous, you feel troubled, you're sick, your joints hurt you go to the barber and the barber wants to help you and really does want to help you. So he slices you up and then blood is pouring out of your body. So he has to bandage you. Look at the barber, Paul, blood pouring bandages being applied. That's why they have that pole. That's what happens there. You get bled to feel better from here. I would think, yeah, no, I don't think that's what I'm going to do if I'm nauseous, cut myself up and bleed all over to get the nauseous blood out of me. But that was being done. I don't think it's too different from 
bringing people into situations where they say, well, gee, I think you have some bruxism because you have some anger. We got to get the anger out of you. I'm not feeling angry. Well, let's think of something that happened to you that was painful. Um, remember it? Yeah. How do you feel when you think about how that person cut in front of you and slapped you in the mouth? Well, that pisses me off. There you go. Okay. Feel it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, okay. Feel it bigger. Okay. Well, now um, get, get rid of it. Well, well, it feels like it's getting bigger. That's good. <laughs> well, but, 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 but you said get rid of it. Yeah, do that. Well, 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 but it's but just think about think about how it smelled. Think about how it looked. Think about it in your face. Now I'm getting even more pissed. Good, good. Get rid of it. Well, what do you mean get rid of it? I, I didn't have it. I didn't think when I walked in, and now I'm just mad as hell. Good. That's how you get rid of it. I don't know. Is it? I mean, I I, I don't get rid of it that way. But I was. Here's a confession. I did that. Yeah. I did that to people. I did too. And As a coach. Mm -hmm. I woke up. And now I'm looking to wake up the rest of the world mm. because people who are dealing with emotional hurt, and if you're not, check your pulse, people who are dealing with emotional hurt and say, I'm going to do something about it, and then they go and interface with these systems that say, yes, the reason that you're experiencing so much grief is you haven't been grieving enough. Mm -hmm. So you need to go in a grief group where you hear about other people's situations, which can then trigger your own emotions so that you can cry a whole lot more so that you don't cry so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I was so confused, Andrea. I'm, I, I, I just... I just didn't know how to make it make sense. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, oh, thank goodness it didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, that's how I felt sense. about the entrepreneurial industry. And I've, I've thought about that the same. Like the, the belief systems and the teachings were just work harder. You're not doing it enough. Do more, go faster. And now I'm driving like 120 down a, road with a ton of potholes. And I'm like, this journey is not as fun as I thought it would be. And how come so many, how come I left so many people sitting on the starting line? I'm like, why is it, why does it work for like such a small percentage of people? And then not, not the rest. So I have an analogy that I think that you'll really like that I have used with RRT. And that is, you know, right now you and I are on Zoom. And so we have a tab open on our computer, a screen that we're able to see each other and we're able to see what we're consciously looking at. But if you look at the rest of my computer, I have many screens open and probably about like 27 more tabs on a low day. <laughs> and so those tabs are drawing memory. Those tabs are drawing energy. It makes my computer die faster. If it's not plugged in, it makes my computer slower and we don't get more memory and speed back to the computer by going to another tab and zooming in and making it bigger. We also don't get it by zooming out and making it smaller. We only get that energy back when we actually hit the little X, close it and clear it. And that is what RRT feels like to me, like it's, it's the most fun, efficient way. 
and lasting way to actually close the tab and it doesn't pop back up. I never thought in my whole life that I would be able to say that I healed a sexual trauma while laughing. So when he says like, you actually have fun, I'm like living proof that I was laughing through the experience of completely clearing the physical response that I was having around thinking about a sexual trauma. Um, so, and now imagine like how that would work in, in business or in relationship or anywhere in your life. It just like makes the journey so much better, smoother. I remember a young lady coming to me, uh, this was years and years ago, when you were maybe thinking about getting born. Um, (laughs) And um, she told me she'd been um, raped. And I said, well, you know, you're coming to me um, privately, but you probably passed a number of free rape crisis centers where people would help you. Um, why, why not go there? And she said, oh, I already did. Mm-hmm. And I said, why, well, why, did, well, why are you seeing me then? And she said, well, I just, I, 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 it wasn't a good fit for me because I kept getting the people so angry who work there. And I said, what'd you do? And she said, well, they were just angry that I wasn't sufficiently angry. Mm. And I said, well, are you angry about getting raped? And she said, absolutely. And I said, well, there you go. And she said, but, I'm, but I wasn't angry enough. Mm. And so they got angry at me for not being angry enough because like the solution to feeling better is not feeling worse, even though the world is operating as if it is. Right. Um, so, yeah, I have, I got real interested in, in, in that because I think that sexual trauma can be just so awful for people. But if something has happened that's really awful for you, I don't want to have that happen that we say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry this thing happened that was so awful for you. We better cause you to feel really bad for a long time mm-hmm. so that you can finally feel better. Right. It, 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 and, and so, hence, it's, it's usual to have people meeting, people meeting with me who have been raped or abused as children, or raped as children, or, or, or dealing with, with other horrendous and awful things, but the visit that gets them better is not a visit that makes them feel worse. Mm-hmm. Hence, um, most frequently, if I'm addressing somebody who's been raped, it's... They're, there may be a tear, but that's unusual. People are much more likely to be laughing through it. So mm-hmm. as I remember when meeting with you, you had survived a pretty horrendous um, uh, situation there, but and, and it continued to bother you, even though it was uh, quite a bit 
past that had continued yeah. to bother you. It wasn't that you were walking around every moment thinking about, boy, I'm pissed that that happened to me back then. Mm -hmm. But if you thought of it, you got upset. As soon as you thought of it, you got upset, which means to me it's working outside of awareness. It's working under that. We want to get that fixed, get it better. And I want to get it better. And it got better. And as it got, be as it got better, you were having fun and being excited mm -hmm. rather than sobbing, crying, pounding, and feeling enraged or despondent. The yes. way to get better is not by getting worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a radical concept. I have a whole lot of people listening to, what? Are you kidding me? The way, mm -hmm. I thought that was, the way to get over grief is not to do more grieving. The mm -hmm. way to get over being raped is not to be feeling miserable about it. It was miserable when it happened. Right. Bad enough. The solution isn't to go through more bad in order to get good. You can go right to it. How? By meeting with somebody who has the ability to get into where the mechanism that's causing it. See, we just expect, well, of course, she's going to feel miserable if she had been raped, had been assaulted, if her best friend had died. She, she, she's supposed to be miserable. Why? Why? It, 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 how, how is it serving anybody? What the heck is it doing? It's a dysfunction with the um, very advanced but highly complicated and incredibly dysfunctional human mind. That's fixable. Mm -hmm. um, but that is radical, and that's not... Um, that just flies in the face of what has become accepted truth. And the accepted truth has been that if you want to overcome a problem, you got to be able to feel the feelings and deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now there are tons of people marketing uh, psychotherapy stuff that's done on the phone or online. And basically, that's called, doesn't everybody need somebody to talk to? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's nice to have somebody to talk to. But um, I, I have somebody I go and, and, and talk to regularly, and I, I pay her for it, and she gives me a free haircut. <laughs> uh so, uh, I mean, uh, that works for me. I don't have to just pay. Well, I pay for the talk. The haircut comes for nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know? Um, so we have the way to tune that. Hence, you no longer are grinding your teeth and you're no longer troubled about having been sexually assaulted, nor are you capable of being troubled by it. No. Nor are you angry at the guy who did it to you, nor are you capable of being angry at him. Well, doesn't she have a right to be angry? Yeah, she has a right to be freaking miserable. Um, right. It's just, Andrea is not saying, yeah, give it to me. It's my right. I want to feel crappy forever because horrible things happened to me. Horrible things did happen to you. But but you're not saying, therefore, please protect my right to be forever miserable. Right. Um, 
when when people go to therapy, they're told um, this is your safe place for you to go work on yourself and get yourself better. And if they don't get better, they're told that it was their fault they weren't ready for change and they were resistant. I mean, what other profession could possibly get away with doing this? Bring my car in to be repaired because it was in an accident. I pay for the for it, come back. The guy says, oh, I'm sorry, it was resistant. <laughs> ready to change. So it doesn't look like it did a thing to it. Well, we tried. It wasn't motivated. I mean, we wouldn't <laughs> accept this crap from any other profession, but we do accept it from those organizations that are the substance abuse industry, the grief industry, the mental health industry, all of which primarily guide people into feeling worse and tell them that's the way to feel better. With good intentions too, right? It's not that any of those people have an awareness of like, I, I'm perfectly fine with like causing someone to or or assisting someone Andrea, in this I long did it. journey. Yeah, I, I know. did it. I right. did it badly to people. I hurt people. <laughs> no, I didn't do it because I said, "Hey, I can find some gals that have been raped and make them feel worse." Right. I was trying to do the right thing. I, right. I I saw the horrors happening to children when I was a child protective service worker. Saw how terribly inadequate our culture's response to that thing was. Yeah. Wanted to then help people later who had been traumatized earlier and was willing to do what I was taught, which was things that made people feel bad. But then I woke up. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about the what was coming up for me during our session around my sexual trauma was that... I wasn't actually angry at him. I felt guilty and almost angry at myself for not responding in the way that I thought that you should. And so like, could there even be a more fucked response? And one of the things that you say, that's like truly one of everything you say is my favorite, but this one like definitely ranks high. And that is just because a response is normal doesn't mean it's optimal. And I don't want to live a normal life. Normal life had me sitting in a million dollar home with all of the boxes checked that society says, check these boxes. You'll be happy. You'll be successful. I checked every fucking box that society told me to check. And I was sitting there on my couch, looking at my children play on Christmas and inside I was suffering more than I had ever suffered before and filled with anxiety and panic that something like the shoe was going to drop. It was all going to go away. Like all of this stuff and not realizing that like, this was just a dysfunction of my own mind and still thinking like, well, let me just go. I used to grab one of those pool noodles that little children wrap around their bodies to teach themselves how to swim. And and I, yeah, I would pound it and I would teach other women pound the pool noodle. It'll help you feel better. And like, and I could get relief. Yes. But I, I couldn't, closed the tab. I couldn't clear it. Like it still came back. Uh, you would have gotten the same relief running around the block. Correct. <laughs> or, yeah. It's Screaming in the car, which ups. I did a lot of yeah. as well. So yes. But, and now I can think back to a rape. I can think back to my mom, you know, getting put in the ICU and, you know, terrible, terrible things that happened in my life. And I have an awareness that they happened. I can still picture it 
but I don't feel emotionally responsive to it, which means I'm fucking free. Those tabs are which, closed. Yeah, and it happened. And what we did is we got the inside of your mind to get it that right. there isn't something you need to do about it right. now. Explain that more. That was so such you're sitting a powerful in lesson. Your house on Christmas. Um, what do you need to do about that uh, rape 10 years ago? What do you need to do about that um, um, your, your, your friend um, shot herself two years ago? What do you need to do right then to deal with those things? Well, not, see, when I say deal with those things, people think deal with the feeling that those things cause. That's not what I mean. What do you actually have to do today? What needs to be done about this thing that isn't in existence? Mm -hmm. And every other life form knows the answer to that. What do you need to do about something that doesn't exist? Nothing. Right. <laughs> um, and that was all I had to let the inside of your mind know. Right. That's it. I can't remember if you said this and I just remembered it well, or if I like adopted it from your teachings, but I started to realize, okay, the sensation that I'm feeling, if, if I'm staring at my kids and there's money in the bank and everything is fundamentally fine, but I'm feeling... I'm feeling a sensation that feels awful in my body. I, I would say that I'm understanding through this sensation what mind is perceiving as happening now, which is the trauma that happened, but it's not happening. Mind just hasn't gotten the message yet. Yes, so that's yes. RRT. And, and another piece of that is, and I mean, we're... People can be triggered. And what does triggered mean? Um, uh, so he was raped by a guy with a red checkered shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody walks in with a red checkered shirt and he's freaking out. And people say, oh, well, you got to understand. He was raped by a guy with a red checkered shirt. Not that guy. Um, but since the original data, if you will, about that didn't process through, it's getting um, activated by something with similarity. Hence, we, we're sort of familiar with the idea that the combat vet who... Um, saw his friend blown up by a grenade seven years ago um, um, is uh, triggered um, when he hears a firecracker. Mm -hmm. And it's not because he's now firecracker phobic. It's because the um, earlier thing didn't process. And when People think process because of what the mental health industry does. They think that means experience. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to experience more deeply 
your friend being killed with a grenade in order to overcome being rattled by firecrackers. No, you've been rattled by firecrackers because you experience deeply your friend getting killed. Mm -hmm. The solution isn't to experience it more deeply. The solution is for somebody who knows what they're doing to get into your mind and say, um, nothing needs to be done about that. That doesn't require anything. And that firecracker ain't that. And I can say that to you logically. It makes, it's a, well, yeah, firecracker is on your grenade. Okay, you're all set. Except for that's... I got to get that so that your unconscious gets it too. So she says to you, um, uh, I, w I was sexually assaulted. And the other day, my husband, who's the most gentle, loving guy in the world, puts his hand on my leg and I almost popped him. I almost jumped out of my skin. Um, what the hell is wrong with me? That's my kind, gentle husband. And I'm yeah. jumping like it's the rapist. We can fix that. Mm -hmm. Or we can just say, well, you have PTSD from having been raped. Um, let's do a little counseling with you and your husband so he can learn to not trigger you. Or we can just fix it so that if you say, hey, dude, put your hand on my leg. I like that. Um, and you say, hey, I want to go out to the, uh, to the 4th of July firework thing. What? You? You jumped under the couch with the firecracker. Why, why would you go there? Oh, man, the sky, it's all filled with colors, a celebration of independence. Yeah. Uh, hello, what about boom, boom? Remember that comes with that boom, bang, boom? Well, what fun would it be without that? Yeah. Well, what about your friend got killed with a hand grenade? Yeah, that sucked. That was awful. Yep. But you still want to go to the fireworks celebration? They don't have hand grenades there. That's an Independence Day celebration. They have hot dogs, not hand grenades. Mm -hmm. They have children playing and screaming, look, mommy. That, that wasn't happening when my friend was getting killed. Yeah. So whereas the mental health industry teaches people how to look for and experience the similarity, I am looking for you to see that a 4th of July celebration is not a being bombed from the sky. It's not your friend being killed with a grenade. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and the other difference is, if I can get you better, yay. And if I can't, if I didn't, if you said to me, gosh, John, I, I don't feel better. I would have said, oh, I'm sorry. Apparently, I don't yet have the skill to help you. Rather than, well, that's because you didn't really want to get better. Mm-hmm. You just decided to drive your car through the car wash, but you didn't actually want it any cleaner. You just won't let it go. There. Yeah, you didn't. Your, your car didn't let the dirt go. Don't blame the car wash. <laughs> no, I do blame the car wash. If it's not ready to let the dirt go, then you say, sorry, dude, don't bring your car here. 
don't don't do it. Get paid for it, and then say it's your fault. It's still dirty. That's mm-hmm. what I find we're um, doing to to people with your people. The the thing is, there are things that happened to these lovely gals that you're guiding. I had the privilege of meeting a number of them, um, but all of them had experiences that were challenging. Oh, come on, that are that were ugly. They had experiences that were ugly and awful. And they um, sometimes have gotten triggered, consciously or unconsciously, by something that has any kind of similarity. Hence, you could be sitting there with full abundance in the million-dollar house with all the presents, um, terrified of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ever poverty? Yes. Um, uh, is there anything similar? Well, there's something similar between everything and everything. Yes. So similarity, what use is it? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And you, 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 you ought to have somebody who works with you who says, it's my job to get you better. Here's how long it's going to take. Here's how much it's going to cost. And, um, uh, and, if, uh, and I'm assuming it's my responsibility to get you better. Bring your mind over here with you, and you have fun while I'm fixing it mm-hmm. for you. We know how to fix it, and it's not the way people have been told. It's not by feeling miserable. It is fun. It's so fun. I always look forward to my sessions. Um, and even the Monday night calls, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's worth mentioning again, every single Monday, even on holidays, maybe not Christmas or whatever, when you know, you probably would still show up on Christmas. You're a beast. I've never met anybody who works as hard as you. And now I'm just like setting a whole new standard for myself. <laughs> but every single Monday, rain or shine, John shows up from 7 p.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern, and a lot of times even longer. Um, if people want to stay on, he typically will stay on, you know, extra. And he donates his time for free to people who want to come on and raise their hand. And you do what I call like a micro session with people where um, you introduce new concepts to help people understand like what's been happening with them and like what would be the next step to get that clear. And what I have found is the faster that I run towards whatever those steps are that you give me, the faster that I know most of our, our audience is entrepreneurs, the faster that I'm able to go in my car and the smoother the pavement gets. I'm not hitting those potholes anymore, which means that I'm just on this like cool drive down the coast with the wind in my hair. And it all feels wildly, wildly amazing to the point where I started to wonder is like, what is this real? (laughs) Yeah, because it contradicts everything. Yes, everything, which is if you want to be successful, you have to work hard mm-hmm. at something, and, um, and 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 well, that's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you think <laughs> it's supposed to be uncomfortable? If you would like to succeed, you will need to be very uncomfortable, and 
uh, you haven't done very well in succeeding because you haven't been brave and courageous and cared enough to 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 do the required suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so. I think that it can be fun to go from yes. um, uh, this place to even better. Yep. Getting better can feel better. It can yep. feel good to get better. It doesn't have to feel badly to get better. Um, and I've I've met with, um, with 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 a number of the people that you kindly introduced me to, and um, the people I've met through you were were just beautiful and 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 very bright um, women who had achieved um, uh, significant success financially in building um, uh, businesses that they cared about. And, you know, everything that they thought before they had it, that if they had it, everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. But everything still wasn't fine. And there were um, um, still feelings of lack and fear, and I'm going to lose it. Well, that's because I only have a million dollars saved, and I have some (laughs) psychological problem that I need to suffer through in order to get over my um, uh, problem of, of, of not being able to increase my profit more than the two million a year, because obviously I'm still, you know, so they, they were suffering. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of people look for wealth in order to finally end the suffering. Mm-hmm. And the, the bad news is um, I've had the privilege of getting to spend time with a bunch of people who everybody else is jealous of. You know, that person who lives in the house, everybody else thinks, my God, if mm-hmm. I could afford that house, I'd be fine. If I was driving that Bentley, I'd be fine. Right. If I was this, I'd be fine. And some of the people who were so wealthy were some of the most miserably unhappy people I ever met. And that doesn't mean that it makes you um, miserable to be wealthy. They were miserable before they got wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but being wealthy in and of itself didn't fix it. No, it's Financial like the rage success. room. It gives you like, it gives you moments of relief sometimes. Yeah. But you can't keep it. It it doesn't fix it and it, and it, does it make it any worse? Well, maybe a little bit, because mm-hmm. if you don't have any money, maybe if you make some, you'll be better off. So there's some hope. If you've made a whole lot, I mean, it's hard to say, gosh, I have $5 million, but probably the reason I'm miserable is because I don't have 10. Right. Um, it gets less a buy-into thing. Um, and, 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 and people are on that hamster wheel. Um, and, 
And all those things are super worthwhile, but there are other things that can be done that really open up joyfulness, passion, creativity, mm -hmm. excitement, humor, fun, playfulness, sexiness, that um, an increase in uh, net profit alone doesn't do. Correct. And that's a hard lesson just to learn. And it's hard to grasp when you're when you haven't experienced it yet, because again, sometimes you get that like big dump of money in your account and you're like, okay, I made $5,000 this month or even $15,000 this month. And you feel better for usually a day, maybe two at the most. And then it's like, but I got to keep going. And I get, it's all just a fucking trauma response um, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't lead to internal satisfaction. And the thing but that I, but that doesn't mean don't make the money. Right. Because No, please be make the money. <laughs> all kinds of useful and fun, but it doesn't mean that if you have a million dollars and you're unhappy, that you're unhappy because you don't have three. Right. It's all about how mind is processing It's how mind processes and it can be adjusted and it can be fixed. Mm -hmm. Why don't people do it? Because it's, 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 it's not known that right. it can be. I'm like, you know, the, the, there's, there's a tremendous amount of stuff out there that will tell you that in order to get from here to there, it's going to take time and it's going to take willingness to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think it's unusual to hear somebody say, if you're suffering and you would like to stop suffering, it won't require any suffering. Right. Um, and, and yet, little by little, we're making um, a difference. I thank you so much for suggesting people might tune into the, uh, the solutions um, um, uh, open group. Um, and it's free and it's um, interesting for folks and you can show up and just lurk and watch. Um, but you might find that you want to raise your hand and say, well, what about this? And we get to actually get some um, uh, significant stuff done. And the, the audience is, is so diverse. We've got, um, and, you know, everything from... from um, Psychiatrists living in Europe to people living in assisted living uh, uh, situations in South America. I mean, a whole range of, of things, but people are finding that what applies here can be useful there. I'd love to have people jump in and, 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 and see if we can't get started getting... Um, uh, their minds to be working for them. Your beautiful, beautiful, complicated mind um, came with no owner's manual and instead with an expectation that if you get it to work, you're good. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you're lazy, unmotivated, right. bad. Um, um, and the people who you would go to for fix it, to fix it blame you if they don't fix it. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there's an alternative to that. And that's rapid resolution therapy. There is a book I've got out on Amazon called Life-Changing Conversations. And um, each of those were uh, conversations that was a single conversation that changed someone's life. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is with a young lady who, um, when I met, she was... Um, uh, she was 20 to 2021. She walked with a three-pronged cane. She had about five, six seizures a day. She had to keep a helmet on her head in order to not bash her head in because she thrashed around with violent seizures all day long. Years of treatment. She couldn't go out. She was usually in a wheelchair. And um, now she does TED Talks and has become an astonishing uh, healer. It took place in a single conversation. And what, the, um, uh, what, what was said is in the book, word for word, along with her um, uh, description of what happened afterwards. Um, the next book, which is just a breath away from coming out, called Grief is Not Sacred, is designed to show people that you can um, get past the grief of somebody you deeply love, including uh, 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 children, including suicides, including violent crimes. Um, It's um, possible to get over that excruciating pain without taking a long time and meaning you need to go through more pain to get there. So that look for that soon. Um, grief is not sacred, and currently life-changing conversations is out there through, um, through Amazon, or just tune in for free to mm-hmm. um, um, what's going on with solutions. To get there, by the way, the website is rapidresolutiontherapy.com, rapidresolutiontherapy.com. And right there, there'll be a link where you can register for and be part of the solutions program. Look around a little bit and you'll see there's some other things that might be fun for you to um, do. And there's a there's a recording there I would like you to take a moment and download and listen to. It's on mind-body healing. People are telling me that that has been causing some significant relief and uh, from from medical issues mm-hmm. that were causing uh, pain and discomfort. And you just sort of uh, put it on, close your eyes, relax, and feel better. Mm. Free, yeah, that's free. So I'll link everything um, in the show notes of the episode. So people will be able to easily access everything that you just mentioned, plus be able to book private sessions with you. Um, I do all of it. I've done John's trainings, many of them. I'm a part of his membership. I, uh, like everything. And I started one step at a time with individual sessions and then the training and then layering it on. But I will say that as I did, my income is up consistently 350% every month this year after spending probably the fur or the, I want to say the last like six months of last year, really doing this work, doing the private sessions and then the, um, and then the training myself. 
Um, and John does also have trainings coming up if you guys want to take um, more of the um, get your appetite wet and start to learn rapid resolution therapy. You have a 12 hour uh, training four times over the last quarter we have of this a year. Training coming up and just, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but there are always new ones coming up. Right. And what we teach, see, do you remember the course in high school where you, you learned what to say to your friend if her father died? No. <laughs> Well, the one that you could even just say to your girlfriend if she really wanted to be a cheerleader and didn't get on the team? No. So we managed to teach people. I, I, I know you're concluding, and I just opened up another thing. I'll get it closed Open it. fast. But <laughs> I, 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 I just would, would say that, that there's very little out there that teaches anybody how to talk to anybody who's heard about anything, and most people you talk to are going to be heard about something if you hang out with them with any depth over any period of time. So training with me, some people do it because they want a career using this process, assisting Mm -hmm. others, and it's a great career path, I believe. But many people just want to know, you know, what do I say to my daughter when she comes home brokenhearted? What, how do I do yeah. this? How do I deal with that? And how do I deal with my own uh, suffering, resentment, feelings about this? That's what we cover in all the courses I'm doing. It's how do you take care of yourself, people you care about, maybe a career option, but certainly if not, um, you want to know how to best deal with the people you care about and yourself when we hit a speed bump. I would say it's made me even a better marketer because I understand like how to even connect with people on a level and, and help them understand themselves. My marketing has improved tremendously because of rapid resolution therapy. I speak differently in my copy and in my videos. Um, and also as a mother, I forgot to tell you this, but um, this has happened twice in the last month or so in the last 30 days, about a month ago, Madison crawled onto my, my 17 year old daughter, by the way, crawled on top of my lap, like a little baby and hugged me. And she said, thanks for not being a normal mom. Because the way that I relate to her and understand her and like who she is and what she's going through and who she's not and experiences that she's having is wildly, wildly different, especially as she's gone through, you know, mental health issues over the years. And then even my son who's, you know, dealt with both my children have gone through a lot of, you know, trauma with with how they've grown up and experiences that they have. And that's probably true for most people. But the other day we were also walking into the movie, just last weekend we were walking into the movie theater and she said something, I can't remember what it was, but the way that I responded to her, she grabbed my hand, she held my hand and she said, I never thought about it that way. And then she said it again. She's like, thanks for not being a normal mom. And it, it's just the best feeling in the world when most of the time our children are dealing with stuff and it's like, shit, <laughs> I don't know what to say or what to do. And they're looking at us like we should know the answer and we should have the book and we're all just making it up as we go too because we're all just traumatized children walking around in adult bodies. <laughs> but I would, there's not an area of my life that hasn't been 
positively impacted by um, by your work. So you're so amazingly inspirational. I mean, I'm listening to you talk, and I'm doing my best to not get like you know mushy and teary <laughs> and stuff like that. I'll cut it out. Get tough, John. <laughs> Get tough. That's uh, the only time I cry with you is when I'm crying relief because I'm well, like, yeah, oh my God, it's finally that's what you gone. Fire in me. I just want to. Yeah. Oh, she thought that. <laughs> <laughs> and those tears are okay. Yeah. Tears of joy and relief are certainly illegal in the RRT world. <laughs> RapidResolutionTherapy.com to open the key to that kingdom. Yes. Open the key to the kingdom. The last story that I'll tell is going to tee up for the next episode. And the, the last few weeks I've had three private sessions with John because some big things came up that appeared small to me. I didn't really, one of them was the sexual trauma and I knew what that was right away. And I knew that I was having a response to that. And that was very clear. Went in, cleared that. That was great. The next one was I put in an application for a new place. And as soon as I applied for, or as soon as I turned in the application, I started feeling these sensations of panic and I couldn't clear it myself. And I I went maybe five days probably where I was just like, okay, enough is enough. I've got to get on John's calendar as fast as humanly possible. And luckily you were able to see me very quickly. And what I thought was just a very irrational response to maybe like an up level, like I'm going from, you know, one payment to a larger payment, but it just didn't seem big enough to make sense. And then I remember calling you and I'm like, I think I'm afraid of getting rejected by the apartment. And you laughed at me and I was like, doesn't he know this, how how real this feels to me? And you're like, that's not it. (laughs) And we realized once we got into the session that unconscious mind thinks that things are similar or the same, as you said. And so unconscious mind linked me applying to the apartment from a situation when I was 12, when my mom was being really abused. She found out that all her money had just gotten stolen. She was on the phone with the bank. And um, this was just before she left her ex and moved out and we moved into our own new place. And I was having, I remember describing it to you as I feel like I'm in this state of panic, but it feels like purgatory. And on the other side of it is death. It felt like death was around the corner the next day. It was intensely uncomfortable in my body. And I hadn't felt feelings that intensely in a long time. So we cleared that in a single session, and you know then I what went we back. Call that, by the way, God, normal. <laughs> yes, but we don't like it. <laughs> Correct. No, it was fucking awful. No, but and it's it, normal, right? And that's what I would like to see not be normal anymore. Right. Yeah. No, you're not normal because you're no longer bothered. I'm not normal. I love that. Yeah. That's my and favorite compliment. And it makes taking. your daughter. Um, hold your hand and tell you how special you are. Yeah. Yes. So hey. run towards this shit, people. <laughs> um, Thank you, Andrew. You're amazing, John. It's I really appreciate so your time. 
And I can't wait for, so the next episode, you guys are actually going to hear John, mine and John's session. I'm going to let you guys creep on the audio and hear John actually clearing that session around the panic, the apartment and my mom. Um, So that's to look forward to next. So click on the episode and leave a review. Stay well, everyone. How amazing was that episode with John? I hope you guys fall in love with him as much as I am. I haven't met anybody who has delivered so consistently on their promises until I met John. And the thing that I love the most is he's empowered me to deliver on the promises that I make for my clients in a way that I never have before, right? Like I'm a far more powerful, potent, effective coach. Um, My programs have a higher testimonial rate than ever before, higher completion rate than ever before. If you guys are interested in doing some of this work, closing those tabs, clearing um, some of the things that might feel like those potholes on that road to the success that you're desiring. Um, I have two programs that involve RRT. One of them is called Regulate and the other one is called WAP, Wealth Alignment Patterns. Regulate is everything but wealth. We do have a single session on wealth there, but um, as you guys probably know, the belief systems and um, information that we have stored in our unconscious mind around money and wealth um, is incredibly, incredibly complex. Um, And so that needed its own entire program. And that ended up being one of the most wildly successful programs that we've ever launched. Um, Regulate and WAP, both of those two together, um, have been incredible programs added to our library. If you guys want to book a private session with John, highly recommend 10 out of 12 out of 10. I would say that, you know, I mentioned at the end that session that I'm going to play for you guys in the next episode where John is actively performing RRT on me around the response that I was having to the apartment that week prior to me having that session with John, I was dealing with so much intense emotion that I couldn't sell. I was selling nothing. I was hardly on the internet. I wasn't marketing. I wasn't growing my business. And I knew right away, like I had to do something um, because the the longer I'm not growing my business, um, obviously like the people aren't getting the impact that they want. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. As soon as I cleared the stuff that was coming up with John, the week after that, I did an easy $15,000 launch in about five days. <laughs> Telling you guys, like I don't throw, I don't throw language out there. And that was just like a fun little quick sale where I was like, this could be fun. Pop. <laughs> and And now I'm like, well, what's next? What sounds interesting? What sounds fun? And everything just gets smoother and easier. That ride to success is on a freshly paved road. There's no debris debris in your path. If you notice some debris, it's really, really easy to clear it and move it. Um, And the experience of creating not just the success that you want, but the impact for others is unlike anything else. It is the number one tool that I recommend out of everything, every skill set that I've learned as an entrepreneur. If I could only keep one, this would be the one, hands down, beyond a shadow of a doubt. So 
Um, you guys actually get 25% off if you want to sign up for any of John's trainings. I am not an affiliate. He does have an affiliate program. I will not take a penny from that man. He's changed my life too much. And I make way too much of it because of him anyway. <laughs> um, but you guys do get 25% off um, to be able to sign up. So just use code Andrea25 if you're going to sign up for his RRT training, hypnotherapy, any of the other stuff. Plus one of the things that we didn't mention while we're on the call is John and I are creating a program called Ditch the Bad Boys for Good. This is all around women being in relationships with um, narcissists, borderlines, addicts, um, and the experience that we have from that. Um, and so we are creating a program that's going to be four weeks. Uh, you guys can get on the wait list. We have a private test group happening um, that's starting in October. So we'll probably launch a fresh group that will be open to the public after that. The other one is already full. In fact, I posted it on Instagram and Within about seven seconds, I actually had to delete the post because my DMs flooded too fast and it was full before a full minute had passed. So I can see that women are craving better tools and skill set and better ways of how their mind processes information around relationships. So whether you're in a relationship that may not be too healthy for you and you're trying to respond better to it, or whether you don't want to get into another relationship like that, this would be the program for you. So this, if you found yourself in relationships with narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, borderline, unavailable, cheater, liar, cheaters, liars, heartbreakers, users, addicts, manipulators, players, gaslighters, abusers, this is how you handle it if you're currently involved or how to spot it so you don't get involved and in actually changing how you are attracted to men who will actually make you happy. So there's going to be some unconscious adjustments that are happening in the program that adjust the attraction that you, that feels genuine to you. So you're more easily, um, not easily, you're more naturally attracted to men who will make you happy, who won't cheat on you and are going to be amazing, amazing partners and lovers in your life. So that one's very exciting, especially as I enter into this new world of being single. I can't wait to go through this with you, babes. Again, I'm so passionate about removing these triggers, these fuses, these things that cause women to react in a way where we're not strategic, we're not intuitive and using all of these amazing gifts that we have. So this program is going to be so amazing, um, especially if you've already done some of the other programs with me, like Regulate and WAP. This is just that next step where it's going to just make us even you know, cool-minded and strategic and smart and be able to just respond to life in a way that we never have before so that we can make change in our own lives with ourselves, our family, our sisters, our friends, our communities, and the motherfucking world. I love you guys. To get on the wait list for that, just click the link below. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. We need to get RRT out into the world. Not enough people know about it and know that these solutions even exist. I think we all know a friend who's dealing with some of the things that John and I talked about over the course of this episode. So please like, comment, share, subscribe, review, um, do a dance party, put some amazing energy out into the ether. See this episode landing in all the right people's um, podcast app that need it. 
And when we bring that intention together, we bring more power to it. And with that power collectively, we make change. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>